Hello and welcome to another edition of the Hitting the Hardwood Podcast, your home for all the latest Minnesota links and WNBA news, analysis, and coverage. Thank you for tuning in to another episode this week. I'm your host, Mitchell Hansen, and this week I am very excited to be joined by Five Eyewitness News sports reporter and anchor and contributor and host to Score North, um, Darren Doogie Wolfson. Uh, many of you are familiar with, with Doogie and, and what he uh, contributes to the, to the Twin Cities market and beyond, whether it's sports reporting, um, you know, information scoops that he, he provides on social media, on air, on KSTP, Five Eyewitness, Five Eyewitness News. Um, he's a part of a really talented team at, at KSTP that um, have, has been a lot of fun for me to kind of interact with and, and talk to over the years, especially while covering the links, and Doogie is a part of that. So Doogie does a great job. As many of you know, um, as I said, you know, covering the, the Twin Cities market, um, covering the sports scene here and beyond, he's extremely plugged in. So it, he offers, offers some good insight um, you know, on the links and, and you know, just, just the sports world in general. Um, so it was really good to, to sit down and chat with, with Doogie. I appreciate him taking some time, um, and it, I hope you enjoy uh, the podcast with him. Uh, before we jump into that, I want to just point out a few things. Um, I, I did uh, post this on, on our Hitting the Hardwood uh, social media, um, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can find us find us anywhere. Um, I did post this recently that we have started up a Hitting the Hardwood store. Um, you, can, you can visit that. You can find the links on social media. Um, but, but please go check out the store. Um, I, I'm, I'm very thankful for the response that I've gotten so far, the support I've gotten so far, or that we have gotten so far. Um, and, and everything that um, you know has come out about about the store. Um, so make sure you go check that out. There's a lot of good clothes, um, from you know tank tops to sweatshirts to long sleeves to t-shirts to sweatpants to um, you can buy hats. We have trucker hats. We have beanie hats. We have bucket hats. Um, you can get stickers, magnets, um, pint glasses, mugs, whatever you think of. Um, um, you can get at the Hitting the Hardwood store. Um, so like I said, make sure to go check that out on, on social media, anywhere on our social medias, you'll be able to find that link um, to go find that those items. And I appreciate anything that, that you can do to, to help support the, uh, support the podcast, support the store, support hitting the hardwood. Um, and, and if you have any recommend, recommendations for things that you want to see on the, on the store, please let me know. Um, shoot an email to hittingthehardwood at gmail.com. Um, let us know what you what you want, um, and we can we can custom make just about anything. Um, so please let us know something that that you don't see on the store that that you want included. Um, so without further ado, let's jump right into the podcast with Doogie. Doogie, how are you doing? Thank you for joining me. I am doing well, Mitchell. I appreciate you having me. First of all, I gotta okay. So I have to ask. You might have already covered this before or elsewhere, but what's what's the the story behind Doogie? How'd you get the nickname? Oh, wow. So, <laughs> heck, we need to go back, Mitchell. This is about to make me sound really, really old. We need to go back to the winter of 1996. Calendar flips to 1997. So we're going back, what, about 26 years. I was a senior at Henry Sibley High School, which is now Two Rivers High School in Mendota Heights, but at the time, Henry Sibley High School. I signed up for a mentorship program through District 197. I ended up doing a mentorship with Joe Schmidt at Channel 5, who left Channel 5 for stretch, but now is back at Channel 5, who's one of my colleagues, in fact, you know, in many ways, my boss. But I also had all this free time in addition to doing this mentorship with Joe. So my mom said, hey, you religiously listen to the sports radio station, KFAN. 
you should reach out to them and see if there's any way you can help them. So I did. I reached out, ended up connecting with a guy by the name of Eric Webster. Webby brought me under his tutelage, right? Brought me in. We sat down. He's like, yeah, let's find some different times for you to come in. You can watch what we do. Heck, maybe we can lean on you for some sports expertise, whatever it might be. So I ended up getting my foot in the door at KFAN. So while at KFAN, so this must have been December of 96, January of 97, right in that time vicinity, the TV show Doogie Hauser MD was popular in syndication. And so I can't remember if it was Sam Sigelman, Doug Westerman, Chad Abbott, but one of the guys at KFAN said, hey, we're going to nickname you Doogie. Now, my comeback to that, Mitchell, is if I was some sort of child's prodigy, like Doogie Howser MD was, <laughs> do you think I would have gone the radio route, the media route? I would have been a real-life doctor, a real-life attorney, something like that. So I'm far from any sort of – I was far from any sort of child's prodigy. But the nickname stuck now. I'm 43 years old now, Mitchell, so I don't know how much longer I can have the nickname. But, heck, that's out of my control, right? Control the controllables. If people want to call me Doogie – that call me Doogie. The late Sid Hartman used to call me something much worse than that, right? It was a term of endearment, right? It was all out of love, right? That's how I knew that, that I, you know, he really liked me. But, you know, call me whatever the heck you want. Sometimes when you get a so nickname, that, people that's People still call me Doogie, okay. but I just don't know if I can be 50, right, Mitchell? Can I be 50 and have people call me Doogie? I don't know, but we'll cross that bridge in seven years. Right. There's, there's probably... I don't know, maybe, well, there definitely is worse things to to be called. So anything that's, that's a nickname, that's, that's okay. It shows people in, you know, like you and enjoy being around you, care about you. So that's, to me, that's, that's kind of a compliment. So that that's awesome. But that that's a really cool story. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I, I, before we, before we jump into some questions, um, I, I usually open it up to, to the guests to, to kind of share where, where people can find their work, um, follow you on social media. If you want to kind of plug that stuff. Um, I know a lot of people who who are, um, you know, kind of tuned into the sports uh, network here and kind of the sports scene in, in Minnesota or even beyond are, are familiar with your work. But if you could just maybe um, plug where people can find you and, and kind of where they can find your work. Sure. So here in the Twin Cities, I work for the ABC television affiliate KSTP. That's Channel 5. In fact, we'll have the WNBA All-Star Game this weekend. So if you're in the Twin Cities viewing area, which extends about an hour into Wisconsin, you know, western Wisconsin, about two hours north, not quite Duluth, not even quite Alexandria, a little south of Alexandria. But heck, if you live an hour, hour and a half from the Twin Cities, you likely get Channel 5. So it's not only, you know, the millions of people here in the Twin Cities, but it extends far enough out. So that's the A job. So I'm oftentimes on Channel 5, but also do a lot of behind the scenes type work, editing, writing, web work, you know, stuff like that. The only thing I don't really do is pick up a camera and shoot video. I just don't have that particular skill set, but I can do stuff on air and off air. I also help out. So Channel 5 is owned by the Hubbard family, Hubbard Broadcasting. They own... 1500 ESPN, which is the radio frequency on the AM dial, the home of Minnesota United, plus St. Thomas Athletics back in the day, the former home of Twins Baseball. But now they've transitioned a lot to YouTube plus podcasting, where they can monetize those two platforms. So I help out an entity called Score North, S-K-O-R, Score North, but that's under the 1500 ESPN umbrella. We're all one big happy family. So I'm doing some podcasting, 
some YouTube work for them in addition to the TV work, then I'm active on social media, Twitter at DWolfson KSTP. I'm on threads now. I'm on Instagram. I believe it's at Doogie Wolfson. I'm still getting accustomed to it, Mitchell. Uh, me too. It's too much for me. It's overload, but I get it. You know, my line of work, you need to be involved in, in those things. And so I am, you know, and it's helpful too. I won't lie. It's not like, you know, it's always overwhelming. I mean, I can't tell you how many different story tips or, you know, just acting with a certain person that has occurred because of Twitter direct messaging. Right. So Twitter, very, very valuable. So I'm active on there. Facebook more for, for family and for of a Facebook page. I don't have Snapchat. I'm trying to think what else there is. So social media wise, what am I forgetting? So I have TikTok. threads. I have Twitter, no TikTok, no Snapchat, but definitely pretty darn active on, on social media. Mm-hmm. I guess what, what, um, you know, you kind of talked about your, you know, kind of how you, you got your nickname, how you kind of got it, kind of got your career started off, but what, what, what kind of, you know, mixed in between that and where you're at right now, how did you kind of get, get involved into, in the, where you're at right now and, and kind of your journey to get there? Yeah. So at KFAN, I worked a lot with Sid Hartman's son, Chad Hartman, who is now on WCCO radio, the former play-by-play voice of the Timberwolves also did some broadcasting for twins games back in the day. So he was one of the afternoon hosts at KFN, in addition to Dan Barrero, who now does a very successful drive time afternoon talk show on KFN. So I worked with those two. They ended up splitting at some point. Can't remember the exact year, 05, 06, 07, somewhere in that time range, maybe even a little bit earlier. And I ended up going with Chad. So Dan did his own show with his own crew. I ended up working with Chad. Well, Chad and I got laid off from Clear Channel, then Clear Channel, which is now iHeartMedia, back in January of 2009. So I had fun being his sidekick, his filter, his producer. So I booked guests. I'd come up with segment ideas, right? He'd bounce stuff off of me. Plus, I did some fill-in hosting work as well at KFM. But laid off in 2009, I'm like, oh, crap. What the heck? do I do now? So I ended up doing some freelance work for a year, worked for MLB Network for a stretch during spring training, covered the Vikings that 09 season, the first Brett Favre year. That was a great year for CBSSports.com. So I was in the belly of the Vikings beast every single day. I'm out there a lot now with TV and score North duties, but not literally every day. Back in 09, I was there literally every day that there was availability. And so you know, I'm doing all that. I'm starting to develop more and more relationships. And I just came to the conclusion, Mitchell, that back then I figured Sid was slowing down. Charlie Walters at the Pioneer Press was slowing down, that there was this need for somebody that likes to chase news, that cultivates these relationships, builds these sources, can really, really report. I had gotten to know so many people through Chad, through booking all these radio guests, that I had all these phone numbers, I had all these relationships. I'm like, you know what? Let me reinvent myself. Let me find a way to be, you know, as best I can, a news breaker, or at least be on top of the news. If somebody else breaks a news story, hopefully I can then come in on the backside with additional information, right? Just being on top of everything that's going on here in the Twin Cities with the Twin Cities sports scene. 
And so I started to cultivate that, you know, the rest of 09, then late 09, Joe Schmidt had left Channel 5. He had some kids in high school, wanted to spend more time with them before they headed off to college. He ended up working for Tom Petters, who now is in jail for running a Ponzi scheme. So Joe was out of a job after Tom Petters went to jail. Channel 5 could never adequately replace Joe. You know, they went a couple sports guys, could never adequately. So they brought him back. He was, you know, a couple of his kids had moved on to college, so they were out of the house. He had more freedom at night. He was looking for a job, so he decided to come back to Channel 5 late in 2009. Him and I had always maintained that relationship, going back to that mentorship I did with him in 1997. Plus, I did some part-time work for Channel 5 when I entered college at the University of Minnesota. Behind the scenes work, nothing on camera, nothing on TV. But I was in the Channel 5 sports office for like a good four-year stretch, 97 to 01. So I really got to know Joe. Joe that I was looking for something during my KFAN time. I ended up doing some fill-in work at channel nine. One of the news directors loved to listen to the name of Ted Canova over to channel nine, read the teleprompter, do a practice sports cast. He's like, Hey, we need some fill-in, you know, dates filled. Hey, are you available this date, this date, this date, this date? I'm like, sure. He's like, Jim Rich is on vacation. Don Mitchell is on vacation. We could use you to fill in. So I ended up going over there. It worked out well. So I ended up doing a bunch of fill-in work for Channel 9 on camera, like 07, 08, actually even going back to 05, 05, 06, 07, 08, 09. And so Joe Schmidt knew I had this on-camera experience. He knew I could do stuff behind the scenes off camera. So he was handed the keys to the Channel 5 Sports Department back in December of 09. He made a phone call to me. He's like, hey, you want to come work with me? Not for me, with me. You want to come back? You're looking for a full-time job, right? I'm like, yes. Absolutely. I just gotten married October of 09. So we're thinking about starting a family, all that. So I didn't want to keep working freelance. I wanted a full-time job, some security. So I ended up accepting his offer. So I joined Channel 5 back in January of 2010. And so once I was there full-time, I continued to say, okay, let me be on top of stuff. And Joe was all about it. I mean, going back to 2010, every Thursday during the six o'clock news, I do a package called The Scoop. Right. So it's visual notes, quick hitting notes, stuff that I'm hearing that hopefully you haven't seen on social media or in the newspaper. So that goes back 13 years. I did some scoop sessions on TV with Joe. You know, he frames me as kind of the scoop guy, you know, then score north back then 1500 ESPN would use me a couple times a week on the radio, you know, a scoop session. So, you know, over 13 years, you know, it's kind of run that direction. And so, you know, now with my kids, Mitchell, 12 and nine, you know, I try to be omnipresent with all their busy activities. And so I don't have nearly as much time as I did back in 2010, 2011, 2012. Right. I mean, I was all about you know sending a million text messages and making a ton of calls and being incredibly active on social media, chasing that stuff. I don't quite have the time that I used to, but I still feel like enough time to be on top of enough stuff. I don't have you know, the story on everything, but I feel like I know enough that I'm still valuable enough to channel five. Mm -hmm. When it comes to you, you, that, you kind of talked about it. Uh, my next question of, of breaking news and kind of getting those, those, you know, those nuggets, that information, those scoops, what, what's the process that goes into that? I'm not, I'm not asking to, you know, to, to share any secrets, but what, kind of what is the, what is that process for, for listeners to kind of understand what, what goes into that, that entire, uh, that entire process? 
Well, I mean, certainly you think about agents, right? So a lot of these athletes, 99% of these athletes, maybe not Lamar Jackson, right? But a lot of these athletes have representation, whether it's an attorney or an agent, a combination of both. And so those individuals can be excellent resources. Now you have to be careful because there's always a bias, right? They're always working on behalf of their client like they should, right? So to me, I'm all about like, if they give me a tip, I want to be able to vet it through the team, somebody else, an independent source. I'm always aiming for two sources on a story. Certainly always aiming to get somebody to go on the record. But oftentimes that's not possible. But I oftentimes will vet stuff through a second source before putting it out on social media or on TV or on Score North. But then, you know, you just you build these relationships with with front office people with coaches, with trainers, with medical staff. There are so many people. I don't know if most fans realize the amount of fingerprints are on a professional organization, but there are a lot, right? Oftentimes, you know, whether it's the owner, president, right? The CEO, they know a lot of stuff as well. And it's oftentimes on the record, I have a good relationship with Glenn Taylor, the owner of the Lynx and the Wolves. Right. And he's as open owner as I've come across in this now 26 years. Right. I mean, I have his cell phone number. I have his home number. You know, he's oftentimes available. I try not to overdo it. It's not like I'm chasing Glenn down for every two weeks. Right. I pick my spots right a few times a year, really. End of the season to review it, beginning of the season to preview it, trade deadline to go over maybe what took place, what didn't take place. You know, and if there's a big story somewhere else along the way. So maybe it's three, four, maybe five times a year that I'm trying to track him down for an interview. But he makes himself available on the record, right? So that's that's what I'm always aiming for. But it's all those folks, right? Then you just you get to know athletes. I was at Kyle Rudolph's camp yesterday. You know, I mean, we're on a first-name basis. I'm not claiming Kyle and I are close buddies or anything crazy like that, right? But you just you get to know these guys when you cover them for so long. Kyle played for the Vikings, what, eight seasons? And so I was in that locker room a ton, interviewing him a ton. So, you know, some of these guys get to know you. Not all of them, right? A lot of them think we're the scum of the earth media, right? But for enough guys, you build a good relationship. I'm connecting tomorrow with Josh Metellus, the Viking safety, who I think is going to have a big role this year in Brian Flores' defense. He works out here in town, so it's summer vacation, but – in an NFL player's world, there's no such thing as summer break, right? Maybe for a couple of days, July 4th, July 5th, but then you're right back in the gym July 6th. So I'm connecting with him for a pre-training camp story from building a relationship with him in the locker room. So COVID stripped a lot of that, right? That COVID stretch where we did not have locker room access, but you know we get enough locker room access where you can really develop relationships with the athletes themselves. So you can lean on them at times if you need to source something out. Mm -hmm. That's what's kind of nice to me about, um, you know, obviously I'm a little bit more involved with, with the WNBA world and, and kind of dealing with, with individuals and personnel within, you know, the links or, or with other teams or with the league office. And it, it seems like maybe more than, um, more than maybe other leagues, you, you kind of have a little bit more access to be able to, to build those relationships that you talked about, you know, whether it's players, coaches, front office, um, you know, anything else. I, to me that that's 
I mean, that's that's only helpful. That's a sign that everybody wants the game to to grow. They want that exposure to continue to to you know hit the league. And I, you know, I think that that's only gonna. I mean, that's obviously only gonna help just because you know a lot of a lot of reporters and and writers were you know we're not trying to you know find dirt. I mean, if you 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 get that news, you get that news, but you're not trying to find the bad. You're just trying to find anything. And, and that's, you know, that's, that's something that the links have been very, you know, very, um, you know, open and, and kind of making themselves available. Cheryl Reeve is one of the best ever when it comes to being able to talk to her, but there a lot of them are, are available, which to your point, like Glenn Taylor, it's, it, it helps. I mean, that's, that's huge to have not only somebody on the record, but somebody that's just available, willing to talk to you, willing to have a conversation and, and I think that that's that's only going to help, um, you know, help both sides in, in helping the game grow. So that's absolutely. And I mean, the league isn't slowing down. It'll mm-hmm. continue to grow and grow and grow. Imagine when Caitlin Clark enters the league, right. Paige Becker, some other college stars. Right. It's not slowing down whatsoever. But like I think about being at practice on Tuesday. Right. And you may have been on the Zoom and you're oftentimes on the Zoom. You're covering games in person. But for this particular practice. Right. It was me. It was Kent Youngblood from the Star Tribune. Channel 4 had a photojournalist. Channel 9 had a photojournalist. Then there was a photojournalist with me, right, for Channel 5. So there were three cameras shooting the interviews, Kent Youngblood and me. That was it in person, Mitchell, right? So you have a chance to ask a bunch of questions, Mm -hmm. right? And you show up enough. Yes, Cheryl gets to know you on a first-name basis. Then you cultivate those relationships, right? Nafisa, we spoke with Lindsay Allen yesterday. We spoke with Dorka, who I won't even attempt to pronounce her last name, right? But just to be able to ask six, seven questions to get to know these athletes in an intimate setting is really, really valuable. So I'm with mm-hmm. you. I mean, you want to be where the story is, right? So when you can be at practice or at a game, right? There's nothing better than that. But yeah, certainly with the WNBA, right? It's great. I mean, we didn't get it yesterday. For some reason, they ended practice early. So by the time we went in there, they just wrapped up practice. And so we got right into interviews. But oftentimes, we get to watch the last 30 minutes of practice. Right? That's fantastic to watch the guys that come in, the scrimmage against things, players, right? Shoot around. We get asked the last 15 or 20 minutes. So on a game day, we're watching them go over stuff. Stuff. Right, that's when you can really tell how good of a coach Cheryl Reeve is, the way she's teaching content. So I love it. We don't get that sort of access in the NBA. We do in the NHL. Like, we're allowed to watch wild practice, the entire practice. Could you imagine that, Mitchell, if we got to watch the entire Timberwolves practice, right? We get to watch, like, go for basketball practice a season. Now, St. Thomas, as they're trying to build their brand in the Summit League, you know, new to Division One. It's great. Whenever I ask to go over to St. Thomas, Johnny Tower, my favorite people, the men's basketball coach, you can sit there and watch the entire practice. It's fantastic. But like the Gophers, very, very rare. The Wolves, just about or maybe once in a blue moon. Vikings, training, yes. When the regular season starts, we get like the 15 to 20 minutes. So it's enough time to figure out who's out, who's not out there, right? So you take attendance. You get to watch the guy stretching. They may be going through individual drills. But when they start to do team stuff, they kick us out. Baseball's a different breed, right? Guys are there two two clock game. They're kind of getting their own work in. 
that, but anything they're doing on the field, we have access to. But that's a different breed. Soccer, yes. Like I was over at Minnesota United practice last week. They let us watch the entire practice. But that isn't always the case. If they're working on super strategic stuff, they usually kick us out, but they give us excellent access. I think it speaks to what you're talking about with the WNBA. The MLS is in the same boat. So, yes, like you want to be the story is you want to be able to gain as much knowledge as possible. Being present is a big deal. So I love maybe even more so than attending games. I love attending practices. I think you learn watching practice oftentimes than you do watch games. Uh, you, you kind of talked about, you know, a little bit about the links. Um, you, you said that you're obviously at practice, um, you know, the other day as, as we're recording this, but what, what, what's your thought on, you know, what, what we've seen so far? It was, it's been kind of a common theme of what we've seen the last couple of years, a slow start. They kind of bounce back and then they're kind of up and down the rest of the year. Obviously, we don't know how this year is going to play out yet. But what, what are your thoughts on on kind of what the season's been so far? And maybe you, maybe you talked about that at practice. Yeah, I mean, you know, after the 0-6 start to now be as we're sitting here 9-10, and 10, we'll see how this Wednesday afternoon game goes against Dallas, who has the win against Vegas, right? So... Not an easy opponent on Wednesday afternoon, but as we hit the all-star break at either 9-11 and 11 or 10-10 and 10 after the 0-6 start, I'd say pretty darn good, Mitchell, right? Mm-hmm. I think we know at this point they are better than, you know, L.A., Phoenix, Seattle, right? And so, you know, they're stuck in the middle, right? You know, and I'm not a big fan of middle purgatory, but I don't necessarily think they'll be stuck in the middle long term. That's just where they are. This year, in fact, Glenn Taylor put it good with me before the season that, hey, we signed Cheryl Reeve to this five-year extension. We knew year one of this five-year extension, we'd take some lumps. We fully plan on years two, three, four, and five, or four of the five years of her extension competing at a very high level. But we knew this first year was going to be a roller coaster, some up, some down. So it's just as Glenn Taylor told me preseason That, to me, is how it's playing out. But when you have Nafisa, you know, when you have Diamond Miller, the second overall pick, when you have Kayla McBride, now I don't know if Kayla will be back next year, correct me if I'm wrong, but a free agent Mm -hmm. after this year. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how her future plays out. But when you have those three players, right, and Dorka, you know, being a player that I think is going to be really good in a couple years, but even now compared to game one, I spoke with her on Tuesday about that, just where she is. 1920 games into her WNBA career compared to training camp compared to day one. I mean, she's made to me some incredible leaps, right? So there's a good core in place that they're good enough, even with the injuries, right? And they should be pretty healthy after the all-star break. Cheryl did tell me that it may not be that first game after the all-star break, but some combination of Jessica Shepard, that's an illness, but she's been out Ariel powers, Tiffany Mitchell, you know, a combination of those players, should be back very soon after the All-Star break. So you get those players back to be able to help the core they currently have in place. You know, you see where the future can be bright just because Diamond Miller's ceiling to me is so incredibly high. I think we may look back at the 2023 draft in three or four years and say, you know what? Like, Aaliyah Boston, okay, really good player. Good for you, Indiana. But I think in three or four years, Mitchell, now, hey, I may be wrong on this. This is my opinion. But I think in three or four years, we're going to look back at the 2023 draft class and say Diamond Miller is the best player from this draft class. So you have that core in place. They're going to win enough games. I think they'll end up finishing with 17, 18, 19 wins, 
who we've seen this first half, I think will play out in the second half. Right. And I don't know where that gets you at the end of the year. If you finish with 18 or 19 wins, right. Vegas is clearly the, the class of the league, the gold standard of the league. The Lynx are not winning a championship this year, but with Cheryl's leadership, she to me is as brilliant a tactician as there is in basketball, men or women. I just think she's a brilliant coach. So you combine that with the core they have in place, with what they'll be able to do next off season. We'll see what first round pick they end up getting, right? How high they can get with that first round pick in 2024. To me, the future remains very, very bright. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, Minnesota's kind of putting themselves in a, in a rough spot of, I don't want to say that, you know, fans want them to tank, but fans want them to get Caitlin Clark and Paige Beckers if they come out this Can year. Can I stop you there, though, Mitchell? Yeah. Do you know for sure, you study it more than I do, do you know for sure that Caitlin and Paige are going pro? I, I don't know. I don't. I'm just saying with NIL, I don't. I really don't. I agree. I, I don't know. And I've talked to a few people about this that I don't know if they will this year, depending on who's at the top. Let's say, and, you know, I could see, let's say if the Lynx were one of the bottom teams, if they were at the top, I could see them coming out, maybe Paige more so than Caitlin, but I could see that playing a, a factor. But I honestly don't think that either of them are going to come out in the 2024 draft. I think they're going to wait until 2025. But like you said, NIL is, I mean, it's just, Yes, you can make money in the in the WNBA, but you're still going to make probably more. You have more exposure in the college game. Wait for the WNBA to continue to grow, then take your brand into the WNBA. And I think that that's probably what they'll end up doing. Oh, I could be completely wrong, but that that's what I think. And that's why, to me, Minnesota can't wait for that. They can't hope for that because if that happens and they don't come out, then what are you going to do? And, you know, they, they, this off season, they're going to be in a situation where they, you know, they're going to have their the ability to probably sign two max players um, and at least one max player, but maybe two max players. There's a lot of good guards available. That's a position of need specifically for Minnesota. Um, and then let's say even if one of the two of Caitlin or, or Paige do enter the 2024 draft, or maybe even none of them, or neither of them do, let's say Minnesota finishes with a seven, eight seed somewhere in there you're still going to get a five, six overall pick. That's still a good pick. You're still going to get a piece that you can, you know, develop and keep on your roster. So I, I think it's kind of a, it's almost a win-win. I mean, it's, it's either you get, you know, a top pick or, or you do end up getting, you know, maybe you finish, you know, low in the playoffs and then you get that mid round pick and you're still in a good spot to be able to sign some players in the off season because they're going to see the development underway. So I, it to me it's it's kind of a you know horse piece we have seen Cheryl in the past you know want to go get players that can help win now and not have to rely on on the development um so i i don't know i it'll be interesting to see what they do this offseason but but offseason but they're in a you know they're in a really good spot to be able to to quickly turn this around and and seeing what we've seen so far is i think really encouraging as well um how great is the guard free agent class did i see that skylar diggins smith yeah, it'll be she's Skylar Diggins. Free Smith. agent. I mean, I know that Cheryl's tried to get her asked, although she's now, what is she, 33, 34. So I don't know how much yeah. she has left, but yeah, who else from a Jewel guard Lloyd. standpoint is available? I mean, Drew Lloyd yeah. will be available. I don't know if she's gonna I mean Seattle's gonna do everything they can to keep her because they they need her. Um you have Ariel Adkins. Well, I mean, they did everything they could to keep Stewart, right? And so well, right. you know, right. You I can mean, try. Ariel, Ariel right. Adkins but free agency is, is very appealing. Right, exactly. No, I I agree. And 
I know that there is a relationship there with with Jewel and, and Cheryl, just with uh, you know Team USA and, and that connection, which I think is a very underrated aspect to a lot of you know free agent deals and just relationships in the league in general. Um, I mean, you have Ariel Atkins, you have uh, those are just a couple a couple you know names that are off off the top of my head, but you look at the rest of the league, like who else really needs a guard? I mean, there's, there's not many other teams that need, you know, need guard play that can come in and, and, you know, take over a team right now. Atlanta's maybe another team. They have Ari McDonald kind of leading the way um, at point guard, but you know, they would be willing to to add somebody, but you know, Minnesota's in, in a good spot where it's going to be a more of a heavy guard free agent class than it is a forward or post uh, free agency. So that that plays in Minnesota's factor into into their favor because they that fits their style that fits what they need that's you know they don't need a big Sylvia Falls to come in and, and you know lead this team anymore because they're shifting that that offensive scheme so it and I, I mean Minnesota is appealing right mm-hmm. I mean you don't need to necessarily be here doing stuff you know I mean you're probably playing overseas anyway or maybe in Nafisa's new league mm-hmm. January to March where down in Miami but. Not like you need to be in Minnesota December, January, February, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, like, there is appeal to being here May, June, July, August, September, hopefully into early October. And, you know, the practice facility, all that, the way the Lynx organization takes care of their players, right? I mean, I don't have intimate knowledge of how Vegas takes care of their players and Seattle and New York and going up and down the list, D.C., Right. But I have to imagine the links have to be up there. The NFL Players Association recently had a survey of how NFL organizations take care of their players. The Vikings finished, you know, right at the top. I mean, there were Mm -hmm. 10 different categories, but the Vikings were the elite of the elite in terms of how they take care of their guys. I would imagine if there was a comparable survey done with WNBA players that the links would finish among the top three or four, Mm -hmm. if not first. Right. But second, third, fourth, somewhere like that just the way they take care of of their players. And so mm-hmm. that to me has appeal. Word spreads among these players, you know, and so they know. And so I think the Lynx have a lot to sell a free agent come the offseason. Yeah. I mean, I talked to Tiffany Mitchell earlier this year, and, and she said exactly that. She played in Indiana her first seven years, and she's like, the facilities played a huge factor in, in my decision to come here. She's like, I'm at the point in my career where – Maybe I don't need, you know, she she wants to win. Don't get me wrong, but she's like, maybe I don't, you know, it. I it's a good mix of maybe it's at an even point where I want to win and I want a good facility. I want to get treated right. I want to make sure that I'm I'm in a good spot so I can help my team win. Um, and she said the links with their their facilities, the Timberwolves and Links uh, practice facility that it's it's one of the one of the best in the league. And she's like, we didn't have that in Indiana. And I know even when when the facility first opened up or maybe it was like a year or two after that um a lot of Lynx fans will remember when the Lynx signed Planette Pearson the was it 2016 into 2017 or maybe it was a pre or the offseason prior um but she was a part of that those those championship runs where I remember I was working down um with the Timberwolves and Lynx at the time and she was walking through our offices in by right that are right next to the practice facility kind of connected to the to the practice facility walking around her offices and you could just tell she was in awe and she even said, Holy cow. Like I've never seen anything like this. And that, you know, to me that, that 
that says a lot because those players that that matters to them and i you know along with the relationships and and everything else and it is more than just what takes place on the court and what stage that a team is in so it it's minnesota's right up there i i do agree with you yeah i mean especially with the upper echelon players the money is the money it's not like Mm -hmm. major league baseball where you know a player might have an offer for six years 200 million then another team's offering them five years 140 or something like that right i mean money is the money based on the cap. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you start to think about all those other things, even just being there in downtown Minneapolis, close proximity, you know, to many different apartments and condos, you know, places to live, right. That it's not a long commute. Heck, you might be able to walk to mm-hmm. work, right. You mm-hmm. don't. Telling you, I think it's going to be an active off season for the links. Imagine if we have this conversation a year from now, we'll be talking about the Lynx as one of the three or four teams in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. You, you kind of talked a little bit about, um, you know, being able to to watch practice, seeing Cheryl kind of operate. And, and you've been around Cheryl for a while. You're, you're very familiar with Cheryl and you have that relationship with her. What, what do you think of, of how she's done maybe transitioning this team? Obviously they're not, they're not done yet. They're not to that, you know, they're, they're not back up there to that, that spot that we just talked about the three or four top teams in the league, but she's done to me, maybe one of the more impressive, or she has been, you know, one of the more impressive coaches, maybe front office, um, you know, it's kind of a mix of both with her um, a front office role, but how do, how do you think that she's done in transitioning out of that, that dynasty era um, you know, kind of now revamping the team and, and kind of trying to lead it into the to the next era. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been an adjustment that's taken a little bit of time, but now I think she's really, really comfortable. Mm-hmm. That, you know, back in the dynasty era, right? Like you could show Lindsay Whalen something once. Lindsay would grasp it, be able to execute it, communicate to her teammates, here's where you need to be, here's where you need to be, here's what we need to do. Here's why this will work, right? Here's our defensive, you know, concept scheme, right? Here's where you need to be, you, you, you. Let's just go out and execute. Let's play at a high level, right? Well, now you bring in a lot of young players, right? So there's a lot more teaching, right? So I think the adjustment was, gosh, I could communicate to Lindsay or Maya or Simone or Rebecca or Sylvia once and they would fully grasp it. Right now it's constant communication, constantly going over schemes, concepts, the why, the how this is going to play out. Right. So it's just, it's a lot more of that. So I think that's been an adjustment, but now at this point, halfway through this season with this new roster, I mean, I remember last year, Mitchell, Cheryl telling us on a regular basis, how much she had to coach up effort. Right. Like, I think that was wearing her down. Like, she didn't understand why her team couldn't play hard on a regular basis. I still think that's a skill. I'm with Jim Peterson on that, my guy Pete, right? He thinks, like, playing hard is a legit skill. Other people will say, well, no. Like, that's not a skill. Like, everybody should be playing hard. Yes, but not everybody does play hard, Mm -hmm. right? That's not an issue with this group. So I think that's super satisfying to Cheryl that she doesn't need to coach effort. But she's such a great communicator. I'm telling you, I just think she's a brilliant tactician too. X's and O's, all that, that it's taking some time. It'll continue to take time the rest of the year. 
but that this group is really grasping what she's teaching them. And she's really enjoying getting down and dirty, right? Showing them the why and the how behind everything she wants to do. So I think she's adjusted big time, but it's just taken some time because you think about that dynasty era, how good that core was and how they understood everything, snap of the fingers. It just isn't that way anymore. So it's taken time to get them hopefully one day close to that point. I'm never sure we'll ever see the duplication of that dynasty era, the way those players grasped everything she wanted to accomplish. But I think in her mind, she can get it somewhere close in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. One thing that I've noticed about her this year is she almost seems maybe more content with where they're at right now than she ever has. Last year was, I think, a big learning year, um, you know, for her to, like you said, just to kind of understand like, okay, this isn't the team that I, I came here and had for the first, you know, however many years, eight years or whatever it was. And, you know, seeing, you know, all of those players kind of, you know, depart and, and go away. And now they have a new set of, of personalities, players, skills, all of that stuff. Last year was a, a really big learning curve. But I think now this year, like you said, she she can vision what this team is going to look like and what it's going to look like beyond this year. And she's very content with that. And now this year she knows that. You know, you have to set the foundation to be able to build back up to that. And and that's that's something she's she's been able to do. And, and you know, she's taken it in stride this year. And it's to me, it's a little surprising just because we're used to, you know, Cheryl kind of win, win, win. I want to do it now. I want to I don't want to wait kind of thing. But, um, you know, she's she's playing the long game this year and she's she's been very um, vocal and public about that, which is great. But, um, yeah, it's it's. It's weird, but it's nice. It it's it's good. It's it's a different Cheryl than what we've seen in the past. But um, yes, now hey, she tried in the off season, right? Yeah, yeah. To not have it be this way when right. when you're chasing Brianna and and you know just about every superstar that was available, but certainly Stewart at the top of that list, right? So it could have been much different if she had convinced Stewart to come here. Yes, right. But it didn't work out that way. But yeah, I think she's been re-energized this year in so many different ways, even talking to her on Tuesday, Mitchell, like she wasn't bothered by what took place on Sunday. Mm -hmm. She just thought Vegas, you know, Vegas is such an incredible shot making team, right? Are they still at about 50% shooting, Mm -hmm. which is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, It's crazy. I mean, they just, they make a ridiculous amount of shots, contested shots too, that Cheryl wasn't even bothered, even though they Mm -hmm. lost by double digits, got blown out really on Sunday against Vegas. Cheryl wasn't bothered by that because she just thought Vegas was playing at such an incredible level. Now, hey, they have a long way to go to get to that Vegas level, but that Vegas core outside of Candace, they've been together for for a while, right? But, like, she wasn't bothered. I'm just telling you. I mean, Lynx fans can be bothered by it. That's fine. Have any opinion you want. But I'm just telling you, when speaking with her on Tuesday, she wasn't bothered. I mean, she thought her team did a lot of good stuff. Mm-hmm. That Vegas just made an incredible amount of difficult shots. And hey, you know, Vegas, I mean, hey, I mean, at this point, you know, maybe New York, but like Vegas is going to win the championship again, right? I mean, yeah. they're the heavy betting favorite. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you find a way to to try to get to, to that level. You know, you'll wonder in a year or two, does Vegas have that same core together? Maybe, right? I mean, Vegas is also a destination, right? We talk about Minnesota having a lot to offer. I imagine Vegas does as well right but like she just she wasn't bothered so that to me showed me something 
Because I think old Cheryl would have been super, super bothered by the way Sunday's game went, even 48 hours later talking with her on Tuesday. But she wasn't. Like, she mm-hmm. was accepting, and and she really likes what this core has accomplished, especially after losing those first six games. So you go back the last 10-ish games, the way Diamond Miller has come back from the ankle injury, really hasn't missed a beat in Cheryl's words. But Diamond has been so good. Yeah, there's things that Diamond has to work on, finishing at the rim, stuff like that. Right, but the diamond has been so good. Others have been as well. You think about, you know, Lindsay Allen's ascension mm-hmm. this year, where she was to where she is now. I touched on Dorka, right? There's so much to like. Nafisa keeps playing at a very, very high level, all-star level. Clearly, you know, Kayla is a is a great shot maker. You know, and I imagine they want Kayla back. You know, I don't know what that contract will look like, Mitchell, but I imagine they would like for her to come back. And I don't know where she you know, sits with everything and mm-hmm. will she go chase a ring as soon as next year? So look to exit. But I imagine the Lynx front office would like to find a way to bring Kayla McBride back. But I just I'm telling you, Cheryl's like she's she's really, really happy right now. I mean, unless mm-hmm. she's, you know, lying to me, lying to us. And I don't think that's in her DNA. Mm-hmm. I think she tells us how she feels. She wears her emotions on her sleeve and all that. And so I can tell when when she's bothered, when the team has her down, she's really, really in a good spot right now. Yeah, I, I uh, talked to her um, before the season started. I had uh, had uh, spoken to her over the phone, and we we just talked about you know things in the off season. You know, obviously she was without a, a an extension or a contract at that time. Well, it was this was when I talked to her it was right after that, but earlier that off season or this past off season, she was looking for a new contract. And I asked her how that process went and if she ever considered leaving. And she said that, you know, she, she kind of took a step back and, you know, looked at everything and she's like, what am I doing? I, I don't want to go anywhere else. And that's, that's part of where I think the, you know, she kind of took a step back, thought big picture. Okay. This isn't the end of the world that, you know, we're not going to, you know, be the a top team in the league like like we had when when she first got there, or you know, a few years after she first got there. But um, yeah, I, I think I agree. She she's just very she's she's rooted here. I mean, her and her family they're not going anywhere. They they plan to to be here as long as you know the Lynx want them here. Um, and and I think that you know they're 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 here for the long haul. You know, with the with the team, that's the same outlook they have with with the roster and with the team right now uh, as well. So it. It, don't get me wrong. She, she still, she still likes to give some of us a hard time. Like the other night, so okay, back backtrack a little bit. This isn't me knocking on Cheryl. I really like her as a personality. She's extremely nice. She, you know, she, she knows everybody by name. She knows everybody, you know, their background, all of that, all of that stuff, which is awesome. And um, but she, after the uh, Las Vegas game, I had, um, you know, a couple questions were were asked post game and. And then I chimed in and I, I brought up something. I, I, somebody asked a, a question, a few questions before mine, of bringing up positives on what took place. So, you know, another positive was this, another positive was that. Well, when I asked the question, I said the same thing. I was like, one last positive was the play of the bench. That was a question I asked her. And she she stopped. And she goes, you know what? I really like uh, our media that we have here. Just all the positives you guys keep bringing up. She goes, if, and then she named um, Kent Youngblood from the Star Tribune. She goes, if Kent was here, he would have brought this shit down. <laughs> it, it's just, it. she's one of those personalities that that you can just, you can listen to her and, and just talk to her. And, and she's she's great to to follow. And 
um, you know, she, she's another a big advocate for the game, obviously, and, and continuing to get it to grow. And that's, that's part of why sometimes she gives people a hard time because she wants that momentum to continue. I um, mean, I don't blame her, but yeah, she, she's one of the best and and I could listen to her all day as you know, whether it's, oh, I love her. Yeah. Yeah. X's and O's everything. It's, it's great. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you this much, Mitchell, my two favorite interviews in town right now, Cheryl Reeve, Bill Guerin. There's some mm-hmm. other good ones. Don't get me wrong. But give me those two more than right now anybody else. I love listening to Cheryl. I'll just put the quarter in the machine, sit back, and just absorb everything she has. Right. So I just, I love listening to her communicate. Big fan. And you're right. I mean, her and her partner, you know, they have a beautiful house, not real far from downtown Minneapolis. You know, my sense is they really enjoy, you know, living there. Right. Her significant other has, has a really good job with the organization. Cheryl has an unbelievable relationship with ownership. Glenn Taylor, Becky Taylor. Glenn has made it very clear, even before the five-year extension, how much he wanted Cheryl to continue in this job as long as she wants to do it. That she can dictate how long. That Glenn wasn't going to ever let her go. Right. So they have this rock-solid relationship. They communicate so often. They are so tight. So to have that support, from ownership, right, in your family, you know, being able to raise their son here in the Twin Cities, comfortable in that regard. There's just, there's so much for her to like. I mean, I always wondered, I don't think it's going to happen at this point, Mitchell, but I always wondered for a while if she would ever transition to try and coach men, just because I think she's such a good coach. Mm-hmm. Then I thought, hey, would it make any sense for her to try and chase, you know, probably an NBA job as opposed to a Division One college job, but I just thought, hey, would it make any sense for her to try and coach men, right? And I still think she could. I really do. But at this point with the five-year extension, like, I think I think this is her last job. Like, mm-hmm. I guess I'll be surprised. I mean, she'll still help out USA Basketball, stuff like that, you know, when, when, when they want her to. But, you know, in terms of working for an organization, I just have a hard time seeing her anywhere else, even though she's not real old. I just, I envision her here for as long as she wants to be here this being her last job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I agree with that. I I think she's here for, like I said, as long as, as long as the organization wants her to to be here. And I think that that'll be as long as Cheryl wants to be here. So I I think it's, it's a, both sides are very content with, with where they're at. And I mean, you think of Cheryl, you think of the links. So, I mean, and vice versa. I mean, you, you think of the success of the links, obviously you think of all the players that, that took part in, in specifically that dynasty era, but you also think about Cheryl Reeve, and that's one thing that players always mention too. Um, you know, you, you talk to them about about the history of the Lynx. They say all the great players that came through the organization. The very next thing they list is Cheryl. So that's you know that that's a credit to her, and that's a, it's a testament for all that she's been able to do, and that and the job that she continue, continues to do with with the organization. And she's involved in the community. I mean, what really, what more could you could you ask for? in, in you know, a coach and a kind of a face of the franchise. So she's been great. Yeah, I mean, I love her. I absolutely love her. When you bring up the word dynasty, I think about 10 years ago. So you think about all those championship teams, that 13 team, it's been on my radar, Mitch. I don't know if I'll be able to execute it before Vikings training camp. I have a vacation coming up here in a couple of weeks and then transitioning to a bunch of Vikings work. So I don't know if the time will be there, although I'd like to find some time just to go down memory lane, pull out some video from that 2013 team, track down, you know, some luminaries, including Cheryl for an interview just to reminisce about that particular season that to me is as dominant a WNBA team 
as we've ever seen. If you go back and see how many wins they had in the regular season, their dominance in the postseason, that 2013 team was so darn good. So I'm just saying it's on my list of of stories to pursue here in the next few weeks. I could even probably do it into late August or early September, maybe even time it. I'm sure they won the championship like late September-ish. Mm-hmm. So maybe I time it around the 10-year anniversary of the week that they won that 2013 championship. But I just think about that 2013 team, how good it was. You know, I'd like to do a story on that, the the 10-year anniversary, right? Those mm-hmm. of us in the media, we love to fixate on, you know, the five-year or the 10-year or the 20-year, right? Or 25-year anniversary, right? Those magical numbers. Well, to me, 10 years is a magical number. So it's on mm-hmm. my list of things to do. Hopefully I can get to it. Yeah, yeah, that was a really fun year. I mean, you have, you have, a lot of people remember the shot from Maya Moore um, against uh, was it Indiana? That that was you know, one of the one of the best moments maybe in franchise history. But it's it's uh, yeah, that was a very memorable memorable year, and as were the the rest of the championships. But um, specifically, that one was was a fun. Did they lose year. a playoff game? Maybe they lost one. I just I remember f- the dominance in the postseason, though. I don't know if they. I did need to that, go back. It's on my list. Like I have a piece of paper in my yeah. office that just hey stories to pursue so i have written down links dominance 2013 championship run it's not like i wrote down okay one loss two losses but i just remember them winning just an absurd amount of games maybe they lost once or twice along the way but it was sheer dominance once the playoff started and they were the number one seed i mean they didn't lose very often in the regular season either Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they either it was either they lost one or they they uh, you know finished that that postseason undefeated. I want to say it was they didn't lose, but um, they may way, not have. I mean, I just down. remember the dominance. So yeah, 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 for sure. Well, hopefully one day we can we can kind of see them get back to that level at least. Let's start with the playoffs maybe, and then we'll we'll kind of go from there. But yeah, let's go step by step. But I think you know a good amount of the core, not the full core, but a good amount of the core is already in place. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm big time on maybe not necessarily as soon as 24, although I do think they'll take another step forward next year, but maybe more so 25 and 26 where they can hopefully ascend back to that championship level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do agree with that. It's, it's, it's a good foundation or they, they have a good foundation in place. Diamond Miller and Nafisa Collier are going to be great for years to come. Um, and it's, it is beyond this year, uh, but they, you know, they, they've done, I think, better than what I thought, you know, what I anticipated they would so far. I, I did think they'd probably be around, like you said, that 18-19 win, you know, range kind of around the 500 mark like they did last year. They were a little below 500 last year, but I thought maybe they'd be around that same range. But after the 0-6 start, I didn't didn't expect them to be, you know, sitting at the All-Star break around 500. But um, once again, Cheryl and, and company have dug themselves out of out of the hole at the beginning of the year, and we'll see what happens the rest of the year. They're they're in a spot right now, so they could definitely get back to the postseason. So we'll see what it's happens. It's just it's so hard though, right, to project, right? Like right. I don't know, maybe you thought LA would be this bad. I didn't think LA would be quite this bad. And I know there's been some roster issues and all that. They haven't had their full complement of players, right? But mm-hmm. like I didn't think LA would be this rock bottom. And so you think about some of those links wins over LA in particular, right? It helps that LA is so down. Right. Yeah. And then Phoenix, I don't think a lot of people really thought Phoenix would be as low as they are. Um, They're, I mean, they're looking to be probably the top, you know, all the bottom team, but the top team in the lottery, maybe Uh, obviously. Which is probably strategic, right? I mean, that's probably a concerted effort that they said, Hey, right. We're not winning a championship this year. So let's go that route. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And I mean, I mean, Seattle's, you know, struggling. I think a lot of people thought that they would struggle, but um, I, I thought maybe Indiana would be a little bit better than what they are. They've, I think they've lost, you know, going into the all-star break. I think they've lost like seven straight, something like that, but um, they're young. So, I mean, they're, they're still learning too. So when you have only 12 teams and eight make the playoffs, even if you have just an okay year, you're, you're going to be right there. So um, that's, that's kind of where Minnesota's at and we'll, we'll see what happens the rest of the way. But. Yeah, I look forward to seeing how it plays out. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think inevitably they are going to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. The question is, what sort of damage can they do in the postseason? Yeah. I'm not absolutely. real bullish on that possibility, but let me see. You know, I talk about L.A. not having its full complement. Let me see what, what this full roster looks like with, you know, I don't know what sort of ceiling like Ariel Powers has the rest of this year, even though she's making really good money, right? But let's see her back even as – a bench piece. Let's see Tiffany Mitchell back. Let's see Jess Shepard back. Let's see what what this whole core can can look like before I fully assess their their playoff chances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully they'll be back right after the All Star break. I'd anticipate at least one or two of them being back. But yes, yeah, um, maybe not all three, but yeah, yeah, at least one, if not two, right after the All Star break. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Well, Doogie, we'll uh, uh, we'll have to do this again. We'll have to we'll have to connect again. Maybe maybe towards the end of the year, or or even you know maybe in the off season or something, we can we can reconnect and kind of see how right we were or how wrong we were with with what we were talking <laughs> about in this podcast. But um, I appreciate. I you always aim Mitchell to bat five thirty, right? If I can bat just a little above five hundred, I like right. It. You think about you know not that I'm you know making all these monetary wagers, right? But you think about <laughs> you know in Vegas, right? The juice, right? Minus 110 on a money line. So if you bat 500, you're still losing a little bit of money. But if you bat about 530, 540, you can make a little bit of money, right? Yep, so that, that's, that's always my aim it. on these predictions. Yeah. I'm never going to hit 900 or 950 or anything like that. But if I can bat slightly over 500, I'll take it. <laughs> Absolutely. I like that. I got to start using that more. That's good. Uh, yeah. But well, hey, thank you for joining. Um, I appreciate you uh, you jumping on and taking some time on. I appreciate you sharing your stories and, um, you know, talking all things, all things links with me. So it's been a, been a blast. And thank you for jumping on. You got it, Mitchell. I appreciate the invite. Let's definitely do it again come September or October. Yes, absolutely. Sounds great. All right. Thanks, Doogie. You got it, Mitchell. Take it easy. Thank you once again to Doogie for joining the podcast this week. Like I said, it was a really good conversation with him. Just just on, you know, kind of taking a step back on the, on the links, kind of looking at a bigger scope, um, as well as talking about how they're doing this year. Um, you know, Doogie offers a lot of a lot of insight. He's been around not only Cheryl Reeve but the organization, Glenn Taylor, as he mentioned. Um, he's been around been around for a while, um, and he's very plugged in not only with the links but but elsewhere as well. So I, I appreciate him um, sitting down and chatting with me this week. Um, like I said, it was a, it was a great conversation, and and I appreciate uh, appreciate him joining. Um, with that said, I, I do want to do want to uh, point out a few of our partners and and our Patreon page uh, before we wrap things up. Um, I want to want to point out first of all our Patreon page, Patreon.com/forward/slash/hittingthehardwood. Um, that is where you'll find a lot of you'll receive a lot of exclusive perks, find a lot a lot of exclusive content. Um, whether it's bonus content, I try to do at least one a week. Um, you know the latest. Uh, content or Patreon exclusive content that I did was some of my takeaways from the first half of the year uh, following the all-star break now that we're going into the second half of the season. I'm kind of looking at where the links are at um, and offering some nuggets here and there. So please go check that out. 
Um, you can get early access to podcasts. You get you get just you get a lot of a lot of different perks. You get discount at the at the Hitting Hardwood store that I mentioned before. The interview with with Doogie or the sit down with Doogie, um, and and you get just a lot of good perks. Go try a seven day free trial. You test it out. If you think you like it, um, then you can then you can uh, consider a membership, which is very cheap. Um, it's just for a few bucks a month, and and all that support helps with uh, uh, ensuring the longevity of, of this podcast and hitting the hardwood in general. So I appreciate anything you can do to go check that out. Once again, it's patreon.com forward slash hitting the hardwood. I also want to give a shout out to um, Jeremy Rushing for producing his podcast every week. Uh, like I always say, he, he does a great job in making this sound great every week and, and pushing this out to, to all of you listeners. So I, I appreciate Jeremy for, for all of his work that he does for hitting the hardwood. Um, I also want to um, outline a few of our, our partners. Um, I'm really appreciative for our partners that we have at Hitting the Hardwood. Um, first one is Homage, and uh, the second one is Better Edge. Um, at Homage, you can, you can go and you can get a lot of really good clothing items, uh, vintage clothes, sports clothes, any logos that you see, you know, Lynx logos, WNBA logo, T-shirts, and sweatshirts. You can go check all that stuff out. It's really comfortable gear. They have, like I said, a lot of um, vintage gear as well. Um, whether it's NBA, basketball, you know, MLB, NFL, hockey, what, whatever you think you want, they have it. Um, so go check them out. It's H-O-M-A-G-E dot com. And go check them out, buy some stuff. Um, and if you want to uh, support Hitting the Hardwood at the same time, go check us out on social media. Uh, find my, my latest post about um, our partnerships and our partnership with, with Homage and you, there's two links on there. There's a links link, links gear link, and a WNBA gear link. Um, you can click on one of those. If you purchase anything, a percentage of that purchase comes back to support hitting the hardwood. So I appreciate anything you can do in, in that regard. That would, that would be great if you could go check that out um, and get some of that great gear. Uh, the second one is Better Edge, as I mentioned. Uh, that's betteredge.com, B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com. Um, if you go check out betteredge.com forward slash links, you get free $20 in free play to place any bets that you want. So please go check that out. Um, bet, like I said, betteredge.com forward slash links. Use the promo code LINKS, L-Y-N-X, and you get that $20. Um, that's if you are a first-time user. Um, when I use Better Edge, which is quite regularly throughout the, the WNBA season and, and around the year um, with other sports, um, I really enjoy the, the competition um, aspect of it. Um, you can create leagues. You can do pick'em leagues, or not leagues, but competitions, excuse me. And I really enjoy being able to do those competitions going up against other people. A lot of times people are taking my money, which you could do. Um, so come take my money. Um, come play against uh, myself. Come play against other fans, other, other bettors. Um, and and it's, it's really a lot of fun. So go check them out. It's betteredge.com, B-E-T-T-O-R, edge.com. Um, with that said, we are officially here in the second half of the, the regular season. Um, the All-Star break has wrapped up. Um, Nafisa Collier represented the Lynx over, over the All-Star weekend in the All-Star game, making her third appearance. Um, you know, it was, it was a kind of a great, a great showcase, great weekend, as it always is, and it's a great break for everybody, too. I think that's one of, maybe one of the more important things for the Lynx. Um, they get a break here now um, before the start of the second, second half of the season. I'm hopefully uh, finishing out the season strong. Um, they had a, a they had a few you know the two games leading up to the All Star break they had a, a bit of a road bump um, in taking a few or taking a step back in a few of those games against some top tier opponents Las Vegas and Dallas but um, you know the the Lynx have after that 0 6 start they've they've turned things around a little bit um, entering the All Star break at nine and eleven so um, you know they they hope to to finish the year out strong and and we have 20 games left before the postseason uh, begins or before the regular season ends I should say. 
um, and it'll be an entertaining, entertaining second half. So um, with that said, I, I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you tuning into another episode of the Hitting Hardwood podcast, and make sure to go check us out on social media. Um, check out the website, check out the store, as I mentioned, check out our Patreon page, um, and, and continue supporting uh, Hitting the Hardwood. Um, we're not going anywhere, so, so we'll be here. Um, we're going to keep doing this as long as we possibly can, and, and your support is uh, greatly appreciated in, in our attempt to do so. So thank you again for listening, and I will see you guys again next Tuesday. Have a good week. Have a good week.